Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, friends, family, and co-workers of all shapes and sizes. Welcome to episode 45 of One Man Watchpoint. One Man Watchpoint is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if this is your first episode, you may not be a friend, family, or co-worker yet, but I assure you, you will become one. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. So why not give me a follow, reach out to me. I'd love to interact with you over on Twitter. If you tweet at me or DM me or anything of that sort, um, questions, comments, concerns, inquiries, topics, anything you want me to discuss on the show, I will happily oblige. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends and all that fun stuff. Now, as we record on this very late Tuesday night, almost Wednesday morning, I would like to drop a special shout out to my Twitch channel, which is of course twitch.tv slash SirDrJM. That's twitch.tv slash SirDrJM, where you can of course give me a follow as I play through uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I'm going at it, going through it at a uh, relatively slow pace compared to most, I think. Uh, but then again, most of the people I follow that are streaming are playing for hours upon hours upon hours upon hours in a day, and I'm lucky if I get maybe one to two most days, um, obviously because of my busy, busy schedule. So I digress. If you're interested, come follow me over there, join in, jump in the chat. I am always happy to interact with you and have a good time playing Ratchet and Clank. Now, of course, Ratchet and Clank is not uh, Overwatch, and this is an Overwatch podcast. However, I do plan to uh, jump over to Overwatch eventually. Um, I'll, I'll probably just kind of stream whatever I feel like streaming, though, so it'll be more of a variety thing than a uh, Overwatch thing. But I digress. Uh, I'm having fun doing it so far. Now, for today's show, we're of course going to be covering the results of the June Joust, and We'll also jump into some hot some hot news right off the get-go. So let's dive on in. Playtime's over. Alright, party people. Our first news story is gonna come to us on June 9th, directly from playoverwatch.com. And it reads Crossplay is coming to Overwatch. Crossplay is coming to Overwatch soon, allowing players to group up and play together. Powered by the latest GlobalBattle.net update, players from around the world can team up regardless of their preferred platform. Asterix. With the release of Crossplay, all players will need to make a Battle.net account and link their appropriate console accounts. With the launch of Crossplay, everyone who logs into Overwatch by the end of 2021 will receive a golden loot box to celebrate. Check out our resources below to get all your questions answered. The article then continues to sort of detail how you can get your account ready for crossplay. Um, so it obviously goes through uh, linking your Battle.net account to your preferred uh, console platform account, um, which of course would uh, be the Nintendo Switch, the Xbox Live, or the PlayStation Network. Um, that said, I'm not going to read through the instructions here because if this is something you're interested in, there's a good chance you're going to go find this um, if you don't already have your account linked. I know I personally do because I wanted to earn the Overwatch League tokens uh, from watching the Overwatch, obviously. Um, they do have quite the extensive uh, sort of fact there. They've got a section on account linking, progress in leaderboards, social features, matchmaking and game modes. Uh... Oh, and then a final section on the Overwatch League with just one question about tokens. Um, so go give it a read if you're interested. It should break things down nicely. Now, where I do want to go from there is over to DottieSports.com with an article by Liz Richardson posted on June 9th, which reads everything you need to know about the Overwatch crossplay beta. So officially it is in beta, just as a bit of an asterisk there. Now, Let's read this article from Liz here. Friends from multiple regions and platforms can finally play together now that Overwatch has launched the Crossplay beta, a program meant to, be meant to bring players from all walks of life together. Crossplay has been a highly demanded feature in the Overwatch community for years, especially after the game gained popularity on new systems like the PlayStation 5, Nintendo Switch, and Xbox One. While some players are excited to finally join forces with their console-based allies, many hardcore fans will likely be concerned about how the crossplay beta will affect their game experience. 
Here's everything you need to know about getting with the program, how you can play with friends across multiple platforms, and whether your competitive experience will be affected. How it works. Overwatch PC players won't have to do anything to join the crossplay beta, but they also have no choice to opt out of the program. Console players will have to create a Battle.net account and connect their console Overwatch account to get in on the action. Only console players will have the option to opt out of the program, but opting in is the default setting upon launch. When console players create a Battle.net account, that name or battle tag will then be displayed during console matches, so pick a good one. Things like content progression, like achievements, won't be carried over during the crossplay setup. Competitive skill rating, SR, won't be reset, and any statistics also won't be reset. As a gift for doing... Uh, for doing work for the crossplay beta, Overwatch will be giving anyone who completes the Battle.net account connection by December 31st, 2021, a legendary loot box, which includes a guaranteed legendary item. Console and PC groups. Console players will likely be looking forward to joining their PC gaming friends in some Overwatch matches for the first time, but there are a few details to keep in mind. Console players who join up with friends on PC Overwatch will be placed in the, quote, PC player matchmaking pool, quote, according to a cross-play beta fact. This means they'll play with other PC players and aim assist will be turned off by default for a fairer gaming experience. PC players won't be able to join the console pool for the same reason. All game modes are available to these mixed console and PC player groups except competitive mode. Competitive mode will continue to be split into two pools, PC and console, so both of those groups don't have to worry about new variables in their ranked experience. Mystery Heroes can, be con can continue to be a lawless land for players of all platforms. Competitive Mode No changes will be made to competitive mode for PC Overwatch players as a result of the crossplay beta. Console players won't notice any changes until Season 29 begins in early July. When Season 29 begins, console players who have opted into the crossplay beta will then compete with console players from other platforms. For example, PlayStation 5 players will be in the same competitive pool as players from Xbox One in Season 29. The rest of Season 28 will see no changes or co cross-console competition. Console players who opt out of the cross-play beta will remain in a pool with only players from their platform. The developers warn that queue times will likely increase for those who opt out of the program due to smaller pool of players. In Season 29, there will be separate leaderboards for PC Overwatch players, console players who have opted into cross-play beta, and console players who have opted out of the program. Now, side note from Liz's article here, I want to highlight, she mentions PlayStation 5, Xbox One uh, a couple times in this article. I believe she actually means PlayStation 4 and Xbox One because, of course, the current console generation is the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series S and X. However, there's not actually a, a, a version of Overwatch for the PlayStation 5 or the Xbox uh, Series S or X. However, you can, of course, play the PlayStation 4 version of Overwatch on a PlayStation 5 and the Xbox One version of Overwatch on an Xbox Series S or X. And of course, the Xbox Series S and X have a patch that takes advantage of the new hardware. However, it is still the Xbox One uh, player pool, basically. So whenever I say PlayStation 5, just assume it means PlayStation 4 or playing the PlayStation 4 via a PlayStation 5. And when it says Xbox One, assume that it means Xbox One, which is correct. However, it could be a person playing the Xbox One version through an Xbox Series S or X. Now, to continue. Overwatch League tokens. Overwatch League tokens that are directly purchased will be, quote, delivered to the system on which the players make their purchase, according to the fact. If you make a purchase on Nintendo Switch, those tokens will be available on the Switch. Overwatch League tokens that are earned by watching League games, however, will be rewarded, quote, at the Battle.net level, and will be available on all linked systems to be spent wherever players please. The developers said the crossplay beta will likely grow and evolve as the program receives feedback from the players, so don't be too upset if things aren't quite perfect yet. So, um, there's a little bit to digest there. Um, in my humble opinion, the big takeaway from this should be, yay, this is great. This is a, one of the biggest changes I think everyone's been waiting for. Um, in my mind, there are three huge changes that need to come to Overwatch if it wants to stay a viable competitor with the, you know, Call of Duty War Zones, with the Fortnites, with the Apex Legends, with the Valorants of the world. Um, and crossplay is certainly one of them. All it does is increase your player pool. Now, in my opinion, on the, uh, the competitor's side there, you look at a game like Call of Duty Warzone, you look at 
um, Fortnite, and you look at Apex Legends, and as far as I know, all of those have complete cross-play cross across the board, um, which is great, and obviously means their player pool is much larger than the five-year-old game Overwatch. Uh, if you look at the side of Valorant, of course, Valorant is a PC-only game, which brings in the question to me of, I wonder if there may be a console version coming, because I certainly think if they made a console version of Valorant, then that could also uh, increase their player pool. However, you know, that's a totally different story. Now, that obviously is great. Uh, that's sort of the big takeaway from this, is that alone should dramatically increase the uh, player pool for any game of Overwatch, assuming you opt into these programs, of course. Now, I think the second feature that everyone is probably waiting for is the uh, free-to-play announcement, where Overwatch goes free-to-play and, of course, again, can compete with the Fortnites, the Apex Legends, the Call of Duty Warzones, um, uh, even Valorant, obviously, on, on the PC side is free as well. Um, and I think that would be a huge deal. And they could, of course, do double XP weekends and all sorts of stuff just to celebrate that. So I suspect that's the next big update coming. However, I don't know how long that will take to come. The other side of it is Blizzard may just be content. And you know what? This might actually be the smartest business move for them to make. Blizzard may be content to keep um, Overwatch as a paid game just run whatever sales they run on the playstation store the and xbox live and and on uh, battle.net and things like that um and the nintendo switch of course and then when overwatch 2 launches announce overwatch 2 will be free to play now that obviously gets into murky territory because uh they've said that overwatch 1 and 2 on the multiplayer side will basically share be the same game you know skins will carry over and people playing on overwatch 1 will be able to play people on overwatch 2 and things like that who knows where those promises are at right now however i do think at that point they could just drop the price to entry altogether you know drop it completely for overwatch one and overwatch two and that way obviously you have a huge influx of players plus i'm sure you would have people that uh that you know just continue playing uh the first game um the third major update that i see coming or at least i cross my fingers for is of course cross progression which they actually do go out of their way in this announcement to say cross progression is not yet available um, which they, they kind of heavily imply that they are working on it and looking into it. Um, it really, it's, that's kind of an interesting one because, um, in order for something like cross progression to work, they, it would be a major overhaul to, um, go back and enable that with everything because as it currently stands, and some of this is speculation, but some of this is just my knowledge of how these things kind of work, um, if you think about how these games work, these, you know, skin unlocks and sprays and things like that are not tied to your account. They're simply tied to, uh, you know, a save file for the game, right? So yes, if I'm playing on PlayStation and, uh, you know, I have PlayStation Plus so I can play online, my save is getting backed up and everything. Yes, my PlayStation crash crashes, I get a new one, I pop Overwatch in, I download my previous save file, there you go, all my skins are there. Um, however, if it were tied to your account, that would mean you could log into any PlayStation and your skins would be there regardless of your save, as would, you know, your progress in terms of levels, SR, leaderboards, um, sprays, emotes, whatever, all that jazz, right? And that's simply not the case. All of that stuff is not tied to the Battle.net account, as far as I understand. Um, now, the obvious caveat to that is the Overwatch League tokens, which they talked about here, right? Overwatch League tokens are awarded to the Battle.net account, which is why you connect your, you previously connected your Battle.net account to your Twitch account, and that earned you the tokens because that was then connected to whatever the service was. So for most people, PC, however, if you had your PlayStation Network connected as well, it would transfer there and same with Xbox Live. Um, and they, they point out there that Overwatch League tokens will just be granted across the board. Um, Pardon me, had to have a sip of water there. They even say at the battle.net level um, when it comes to the Overwatch League tokens. So that's just, you know, in case anyone was wondering out there, a little bit of insight into why that is. Um, and, and a part of why I also know that's the case is because if you look at games like Rocket League, 
they had a similar kind of uh, thing happen when they first moved into crossplay. Um, they they enabled crossplay, but they didn't have cross progression right away. And then they launched, I believe they call it their Rocket Pass or something like that. Maybe that's the the Battle Pass type deal. But they they launched a service where it basically ties your your progression to their own account. Um, it might just even be an Epic account. I think Epic bought Psionics, but I digress. Um, and, and that's how it tracks these things and that's where it saves them so that it knows no matter where you log in, hey, here's your progress and everything. So obviously there's a fair amount of work to make that happen. Um, I certainly don't think it's impossible. Um, I, I almost think it's just a matter of uh, they would have to put in a, put a system in place to likely do that automatically, right? As soon as you boot up Overwatch, if your account is connected on whatever service to Battle.net, so in my case, if my PlayStation Network account is connected to uh, my Battle.net, which it is, I would assume they would want the system to be, as soon as you boot up Overwatch, it establishes that connection. It then basically looks at your save and says, okay, I see all these skins. I'm going to attach all these skins to this person's Battle.net account. I see all these sprays. I'm going to do the same. I see their SR. I see their leaderboard, etc., etc. And that's how they would have to do that. Now, I was going to say that you know, it is feasible they put in a system where you have to go in and say, you know, tell it to do that basically. But ultimately, I would think they would want it to be as seamless as possible and just do it automatically. So anyways, I digress. Crossplay coming is a great thing and hurts no one. If you are on the internet, you're complaining about this, you think it is in some way, shape or form a bad thing, you're an idiot. Get out of my podcast. Never listen to me again. Thank you. Goodbye. I play on console and I'm very happy about this because it means I can play with my PC friends. Now, next story. Let's move on. Uh, the next story is also from .esports.com, Liz Richardson, on June 9th, and reads, How to Unlock the Overwatch League Ange de la Morte Widowmaker Skin. The Overwatch League may have gone with a pun for its last tournament skin, but the June Joust cosmetic is dead serious. Expert sniper Widowmaker gets the June Joust's featured skin treatment, and her new outfit is all business. Named Ange de la Morte, French for Angel of Death, the skin gives Widowmaker a sleek black and gray armor with a ghostly hood. While it could definitely pass as a chic reaper cosplay, this skin has a bit more panache. They've then got the tweet embedded announcing it. Designers took inspiration from the duelist's nature of Widowmaker to represent the June Joust. The spider motif is a nod to her original design, while the, quote, witch-like hood offers a bit of mystique according to a post by the Overwatch League. Much like the MMA skin, which was featured during the May Melee tournament, the skin can be purchased for 200 Overwatch League tokens over the next few weeks. To unlock the Ange de la Morte uh, Widowmaker skin, open up Overwatch. The skin is prominently featured on the front page right now. All you have to do is click shop at the bottom of the right uh, bottom right of the screen and head to the Overwatch League skins page. Alternatively, you can select the Overwatch League page on the main menu and select the bottom generic Overwatch League tab to see special edition skins. The Ange de la Morte skin costs 200 Overwatch League tokens to unlock. 100 tokens can be purchased for $5, so the skin costs approximately $10. Overwatch League fans can also unlock the skin using tokens they've accumulated by watching League matches live. While the June Joust tournament only runs from June 10th to 12th, the Widowmaker skin will be available until June 21st. So if you didn't pick up the skin just yet, definitely pop on over to uh, into Overwatch and grab that one. Um, I actually, honestly, when I first saw it, I think I saw it like edited into an image and I was kind of, I, I thought it was fake, honestly. I was like, what is this? I, it looks kind of cheap and lazy. I was really confused by it. Then later on, I did find out that it was in fact the actual skin. Um, and honestly, it left kind of a sour taste in my mouth. Um, just looking at this, I really wasn't too impressed. Um, I, I I almost think it looks a little bit conflicting. Like it's got all these sharp, jagged edges, um, especially with her mask or her visor, whatever you want to call it. And then the hood and the like cloth material just look very out of place. They don't look like they match the rest of the skin. It's almost like it was two skins designed independently and then they just threw them together. Or it's like they were designing this kind of ghostly ghoul-like executioner skin, which is cool and has this big long hood that, you know, functions kind of as Widowmaker's hair, which is weird. Um, 
But then they were just like, hmm, make it sharper. And they stuck all these jagged edges and metal pieces on her over top of that. And it, it I think it, it just looks really kind of thrown together. I'm not a big fan of it. Then, of course, when I booted into Overwatch and I actually looked at the skin there, I found out it actually does look pretty dope. Um, some of the details, like uh, like some of those fixings, like, you know, her belt, um, there's sort of like a, a breastplate, um, as well as the, like, gloves and shoulder pads. They actually look pretty sick, um, and especially her gun. Her gun looks very awesome. It's it's very, very cutty, uh, very blade-like. Anyways, um, overall, I'm not crazy about this skin, but once I saw it in-game, I was like, okay, yeah, it's cooler than I gave it credit for, so I bought it. Um, but at this point, I have so many Overwatch League uh, tokens to spare that I didn't mind doing that. So. so there you have it. Go get it. Available until June 21st. So by the time you're listening to the next episode of One Man Watchpoint, it will be gone. Now, let's jump on over to our next story, which takes us once again back to DottieSports.com. Liz Richardson on... Nope, I'm totally wrong. It is DottieSports.com, but it was posted on June 10th by Ethan Garcia. And this one reads, Shanghai Dragon signed develop as new Overwatch League DPS player. The 2021 preseason and regular season of the Overwatch League have been home to some of the most drastic roster shifts that have completely shaken up the standings in the May Melee and now the June Joust. And heading into the June Joust tournament, one of the best teams in the Eastern Division is welcoming a new face to their squad. The Shanghai Dragons, the number two seed from the Eastern Division, announced today that Develop will be joining their already impressive lineup of DPS players. This announcement comes following DM's departure from the team and competitive Overwatch as a whole. Develop joins the team's lineup of DPS players, Fleta, Lip, and Who Are You, who have helped the Dragons reach the final weekend of the June Joust. Quote, Develop, part of the new generation of DPS players, will be flexing his prowess as he becomes a key part of our run through the season, Shanghai said. Develop previously made a name for himself in Overwatch Contenders, securing a second-place finish alongside Talon Esports in 2021 season of Korean Contenders. Oh, no, see, 2021 season one Korea bracket, sorry. He's long been a, uh, a player sought after for a professional player, even being the subject of discussion for teams in the Western Division prior to his acquisition by the Dragons. The Shanghai Dragons join the Hangzhou Spark, Seoul Dynasty, and New York Excelsior as the representatives of the East Division in the June Joust Tournament. They hold one of the top two spots in the division alongside the Excelsior and will be competing this weekend in their semifinal match against the Dallas Fuel. So, there you have it. Develop coming in after uh, last episode we talked about DM retiring. A um, little bit surprising, honestly, to see them making this addition simply because they already have a stacked roster, and I I don't necessarily know that there's a major role for uh, for him there, given given the roster they currently have. But hey, Shanghai's got the money to throw around. Let them throw it around. Now, next up um, isn't actually an article from IGN. However, I found a short video of it on IGN. So uh, go look up on IGN.com, Overwatch 2, Baptiste, and Sombra New Skins Overview Trailer. And this is a clip from Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, which was happening uh, just at the start of E3 this year. And they actually had Ellen Aaron Keller, um, director of Overwatch 2, come on stage and unveil some new character models for Overwatch 2. So the first one they, they showed off... Pardon me, we got this uh, video playing. First one they showed off is, of course, the Baptiste skin, which uh, features some, you know, obviously some revamps to his overall look, um, in large part the color scheme of him. Um, so they've gotten rid of uh, kind of the... Uh, it, previously, I think he was mostly, like, blue with uh, highlights of orange and kind of dark. Um, he's now got a lot more white prominently featured, a lot more, uh, I guess, a lot less of the blue, more of this teal, but it's kind of more highlighting things. He's, of course, got a new fancy haircut, uh, more of a mohawk. He looks a lot more hip. Um, and yeah, overall, impressive design. I like what they've done. They kind of refined his uh, his overall backpack, his weapon um, and kit and how things look in that sense. And uh, it's a really, really cool look for him. A ni nice little refresh. You know, Baptiste was so new, uh, I, it was a little bit weird to see this as one of the ones they announced, but still very cool. The other one they announced was the new look for Sombra. Um, so Sombra, oddly enough, when I saw the revamp for her, I kind of looked at her and was like, okay, it definitely looks new. It definitely looks fresh. But what exactly did they change? 
and I don't know that I could have told you very easily. Um, however, I have since looked up comparisons and things. And Sombra, you know, a, a, kind of similar to Baptiste. A lot of just tweaks. You know, her hair looks slicker, looks smoother. Um, she lost her sleeves. Her her dress is a little, I don't even know if maybe it's a jacket. I guess it's a jacket. Looks a little different, a little bit more uh, more technological. She's got some kind of circuitry built into the side. And, of course, her signature, you know, neon colors and uh, leggings looking good there. So... Anyways, um, I'm a big fan of Sombra in any way, shape, or form, so uh, I was excited to see this one. But ultimately, you know, just kind of some cool little unveils, um, nothing nothing too impactful, but fun to see for sure. Now, let's move over to .esports.com with an article on June 12th by Liz Richardson, which reads, Paris Eternal Tank Dawn Tests Positive for COVID-19. Weeks after COVID-19 disrupted the Toronto Defiance Overwatch League season, another team is dealing with the fallout of its first positive case. Don, main tank for the Paris Eternal, announced today that he has tested positive for COVID-19. He updated fans on Twitter stating that the pandemic, quote, isn't gone and reminding them to be careful. According to Paris Eternal General Manager Avala, who spoke to Dottie Sports via email, there's no chance of spreading among the team's players since they are, quote, not in a facility together and are competing remotely. Dawn's illness comes several weeks after three positive cases were confirmed in the Toronto Defiant organization, which operates out of a single facility in Canada. Key players, uh, sorry, key DPS players like Logix and Hisu were sidelined by the illness, forcing them to sign Aspire on a 30-day contract to bolster the team. Avala confirmed to Dottie Sports that the Paris Eternal would likely, quote, have to emergency sign someone if Dawn is too sick to play. She reports he is, quote, feeling pretty healthy, however, and the team is optimistic. Thanks to the June Joust tournament and a week-long post-tournament break for the players, the Paris Eternal have nearly two weeks before their next game, giving Dawn time to recover. The team faces the London Spitfire on June 25th. So, just like we did with uh, the Toronto Defiant, of course, we wish Dawn well and the Paris Eternal well, and hopefully he has a, uh, a quick and uh, healthy return to play. Moving on from there, we have a pretty big announcement here on the, well, in this article on eSports, the eSports Observer, written by Adam Stern on June 14th, which reads, Dallas Fuel Homestand at eSports Stadium Arlington in July will have audience. The Dallas Fuel will host fans next month for their Overwatch League match versus the Houston Outlaws, the first time that fans have been allowed to attend an Activision Blizzard eSports game in North America since the pandemic began. On Friday, July 9th, the 2,500-seat eSports Stadium Arlington will operate at 50% capacity for the Week 13 tie between the state of Texas to Owl franchises. All tickets will be general admission and cost $15, with sales starting this Wednesday. NV Gaming's NVUS Membership Club members will get early access to buying tickets for 24 hours. The Fuel players will be on stage at ESA, but in a twist, the rival Outlaws will not be there in person due to travel and timing issues as they have another game the day before versus the Boston Uprising. Fans in attendance will be asked to wear masks. Envy Gaming worked with uh, Activision Blizzard to help to helped set up the return of fans, and the Dallas-based esports organization is among those that have been pushing to get back to live events. Like most sports leagues, OWL and its sister property, Call of Duty League, stopped hosting fans in early 2020 when the pandemic started. Only OWL teams in China have hosted fans since. Envy Gaming President and COO Jeff Moore told SBJ, We're excited about it and kind are kind of taking a baby step to getting back to events. We really want to host where both teams are there and live, and or there are multiple sets of teams there. We'd like to get back to that sooner versus later. Moore said that the Outlaws wanted to travel for the event, but given the potential timing-slash-travel issues with their game the day before, and the fact that this was the first event in, the North, in North America with fans post-pandemic, quote, In the final analysis, we felt it was best to take an intermittent step, where only one team is on site. But after this initial event, Moore feels they can get back to having fans and both teams on site for upcoming games pretty quickly. The return of fans is important in that esports in North America were moving more towards holding big in- real-life events with fans before the pandemic hit. On top of halting teams' ability to draw revenue from hosting in-person events, it also stripped the city-based leagues like OWL and CDL of one of the tools they originally envisioned to grow their fan base. 
Now this is actually a pretty long article that, now that I'm looking at it. And a lot of this seems kind of fluff. Uh, the point is Dallas is going to be having an in-person game uh, at the eSports Stadium Arlington in July. And of course they will be playing the Houston Outlaws. However, the Houston Outlaws will not be there. So really exciting to see this because at least fans will get to be there and at least the players will get to feel the energy on stage. And of course, this is quite literally probably the second highest rated team in the Overwatch League right now. So uh, really exciting to see that. And that would just absolutely be a blast if uh, you're comfortable going to something like that. I personally don't think I would. However, uh, very exciting times and a step in the right direction, obviously. Now, our next article uh, brings us sad news. Um, and this, this kind of came out uh, yesterday early early yesterday or maybe even uh maybe even monday night kind of thing oh of course it's wednesday so it, if i were recording on tuesday like i normally do but it's past midnight now anyways yesterday june 14th over on dotesports.com posted by eva martinello runaway terminates overwatch division south korean esports organization runaway has disbanded its its overwatch team after disbanding its league of legends team last year runaway now has no active esports teams left quote the journey of Runaway Overwatch team ends today, end quote, Runaway said in its announcement. In 2016, it was the team that started only with passion and challenge. We grew up with the great love and support of our fans. Co-founder Runner mentioned the difficulty of managing the team during the COVID-19 pandemic, which had a negative effect on the team's performance, as well as the impact of Overwatch broadcast rights being transferred to YouTube, according to Horizon Esports translator Kevin Kim. Runaway was one of the most iconic esports teams in Overwatch. It brought the dream of plenty of esports players to life, reaching the top of the competition with nothing but skill and by starting from scratch with a bunch of friends. Over four years of competing in the South Korean Overwatch scene, Runaway played in the most Apex Finals and won the most Korean Contenders titles. The org was founded in 2016 by its first players, including former support Runner, who then switched to a coaching role and focused on managing the organization. Despite having no sponsor and being a part-time team, the players put everything into the competition and slowly climbed the rankings of every season of the Apex League, the equivalent of today's Korean contenders. After ending at the bottom of Season 1's rankings, they became the runners-up of two season of season two, sorry, after losing to Lunatic High in an incredibly balanced series. Runaway gathered a growing number of fans thanks to a mix of solid skills and bright personalities, but remained in second place and never won an Apex season. Meanwhile, the org staff barely managed to cope with the time and energy needed to run the team. Runaway still received little support from sponsors and saw regular roster shakeups with promising players leaving for the North American scene. But the team finally grabbed a title in Korean Contender's second season in 2018, two years after entering the scene. The Overwatch League's expansion from 12 teams to 20 surely helped Runaway's situation, and many new spots opened for promising talents to compete at the highest level. Most of the Runaway roster was picked up by entering organization, oh, by entering organization Vancouver Titans in 2018, and they came in second place during the end of the season playoffs in 2019. Some players from this successful roster still compete in the Overwatch League, such as Washington Justice's Stitch. Now, that is of course wrong. We know Stitch is not a member of the Washington Justice right now. Meanwhile, the Runaway organization became a staple of the South Korean Overwatch scene. The revamped roster won 2018 Season 3 and 2019 Season 2 of Contenders. The team also became the runners-up of the last 2020 Contenders season and placed 5th in the league last May. In 2020, co-founders Runner and Flowervin grew as personalities and content creators and started a league team, aiming to enter the LCK. But Runaway wasn't selected as one of the 10 teams for franchised in LCK in 2021. It's unclear if Runaway will attempt to enter another eSport. So I wanted to bring that one up. Obviously, that was quite the long read. But I wanted to bring it up, of course, because, the, because of the impact that Runaway has had on the Overwatch League. Now... If you're not a fan of Apex contenders or, uh, you know, the Korean scene, you might not be too familiar with this. However, a lot of players that are very, very big in the Overwatch League have come from Runaway. Um, of course, as the article mentions there, the majority of the Vancouver, original Vancouver Titans roster was, of course, the championship winning uh, Runaway team and uh, obviously was looking to dominate the league. And then the team imploded, as we largely covered, back in uh, February, March of the 2020 season. 
But I've also got something else here related to this that I want to bring up now. And that is, of course, a tweet from at Pharaoh O-W, that's P-H-A-R-A-O-H-O-W on Twitter. And his tweet reads like this. In response, of course, to uh, Kevin Kim, who was mentioned in the article as well, translating uh, the the uh, announcement from Runner and Flowervin um, on Twitter. So Pharaoh's tweet reads like this. Assassin, Hisu, Mag, Lijigon, QOQ, Yaki, Gangnam Jin, Haxall, Bumper, Stitch, Janu, Slime, Somensu, Twilight, Kaiser, Kalios. Runaway's contributions to Owl and Professional Overwatch before that will be impossible to match. Incredible loss for T2 and the Overwatch Pro scene as a whole. So obviously there he's just highlighting a, the, 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 a number, a handful even, of players to come from Runaway um, into the Overwatch League. So obviously a ton of names that will be familiar to Vancouver Titans fans there because they have the whole roster there, uh, or largely the whole roster. Twilight, Somensu, Slime, Janu, Stitch, Bumper, Hacksaw. Um, but then... You know, obviously players like Yaki uh, currently playing with the Florida Mayhem, uh, players like Lee Gong on the uh, Shanghai Dragons right now, Meg, who is playing on um, the Washington Justice, um, you know, Hisu, who of course plays for the Toronto Defiant. Um, anyways, just, you know, a ton of great players there um, and really a huge loss for Overwatch as a whole. Um, obviously a number of factors there. But if, uh, if you're curious, definitely go read up about this and read the full translation of, of the, the Twitter thread um, of the announcement from Flower and, and, and Run, Runner, sorry, because it is actually quite interesting and a, uh, quite a good read. Um, really, really sad to see. And obviously uh, now there is a ton of very talented uh, players who are looking for work. So hopefully we'll see some more of them making the jump over to the league. Now, with that story, that's the last news story we're going to cover here. Um, so let's move on into the Owl Recap, where we will take a look at uh, the June Joust Finals. Playtime's over. All right, so let's head on over here. So, of course, on Thursday, June 10th, we had our first match of the tournament, which saw the New York Excelsior take on the Atlanta Reign. Now, as I think most people predicted, the Atlanta Reign took this and uh, sent the New York Excelsior down to the loser's bracket where they would remain uh, and only play one more match. Because, of course, I think, again, as most people predicted, the New York Excelsior uh, weren't quite in the same, uh, the same level as the rest of these teams. So New York bounced to the loser's bracket because of Atlanta here in the first match. Second match... Uh, oh, and the score was 3-0. Second match, also on Thursday, saw the Shanghai Dragons taking on the Dallas Fuel, and Dallas managed to pull out a 3-0 against Shanghai. Um, a little bit surprising. I think people thought that Shanghai might put up more of a fight. However, in this match, they certainly did not, and they got 3-0 and also pushed to the loser's bracket. After that, we moved to Friday, June 11th, where the Dallas Fuel continued their winning streak by taking on the Atlanta Reign um, in a match that I think was much anticipated. I think a lot of people were really looking forward to this match because Atlanta did look to be performing extremely well. And I think everyone was excited to see uh, Atlanta having some success after they've you know, been, been such a gatekeeper team for so long. Dallas did, however, take the match with a record of 3-1, to one, um, with Atlanta, I believe, taking the very first round on control, um, and Atlanta looked really good. I definitely, you know, I yeah, they did take the first round on Nepal. Um, I know I've been one of the first people to say that I'm not a fan of Atlanta, and going into that match when Atlanta came out, took that first control map against uh, Dallas, I was a little bit worried. I was immediately like, oof, maybe Atlanta is really looking as strong as everyone seems to think they are. Um, now, Dallas then came back and took three maps in a row, bumping Atlanta back down to the loser's bracket, so I digress, I was wrong about that. The Shanghai Dragons then were the second game on Friday, and they took on the f other losers in the New York Excelsior, bouncing them out of the bracket 3-0. And then, of course, Atlanta had to jump right back into it against Shanghai, and this time around, Shanghai took Atlanta 3-0. Um, so that one was was pretty interesting because I think everyone was 
Again, really thinking after the poor performance that Shanghai had against Dallas and the, uh, I would say not poor, the, the better performance Atlanta had against Dallas, I think everyone was really expecting Atlanta to put up more of a fight than they seemingly did. But ultimately, it came down to 3-0 from Shanghai. Um, however, you know, again, control on Li Jiang, 2-1 for Shanghai. Uh, Hanamura went 3-2 for Shanghai. Numbani went 4-3 for Shanghai again. So this one really was actually quite an interesting match, and Atlanta really seemingly seeming like they were kind of stretching themselves, but ultimately I think uh, Shanghai just kind of showed their experience here, and they were able to come out on top. And that, of course, takes us into our final match on Saturday, June 12th, where we saw the Shanghai Dragons take on the Dallas Fuel. Now, if you didn't catch this match, go watch it, because I guarantee the first, uh, I, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes of this, you are going to think that Dallas, well, I mean, spoilers, because, you know, if you if you don't want spoilers, then why are you listening to this? But you're going to think that Dallas is going to take this in a 4-0 sweep. Um, Dallas came out looking super, super strong. Um, map 1, Lijang Tower went to Dallas 2-0. Map 2 on Volskaya went to Dallas 2-0. Just absolutely steamrolling the Shanghai Dragons. I was very much watching this thinking, yeah, Dallas is Dallas is far and away above anyone else in the league right now. Now, map three, we went over to Numbani, and Shanghai seemingly got their shit together. Um, they, they started looking a little more impressive. They took the map two to one. So not super ahead of Dallas, but uh, looking like maybe they were shaping up. And then map four, we went to Rialto. And again, Dallas came out on top again, four to three. Now, Rialto was a bit of a uh, nail biter in a lot of ways. Um, there were a few times there where Shanghai was looking incredibly dominant and like they could easily roll over the Dallas fuel. Um, however, Dallas managed to come out with a few clutch wins, um, a few uh, solid team fights, and they really uh, pulled out the win, kind of pulled it out of their ass, honestly. Um, so they were then up three to one. And that's when things started to turn. They then went to Busan, and the Shanghai Dragons took it two to one. Now, not the end of the world, you know. We're on control. Um, in in my opinion, control is always kind of one of the one of the. I I don't know. Lots of people say control is the most important map type because it's the first one. So if you win control, um, you know, your the odds of you winning the match go up significantly. Um, I, I just never put too much stock in control. Maybe it's, that's just because there are certain teams that seem to be really good at control, and there are certain teams that just seem to be really bad at it. But anyways, Shanghai came out with a win, 2-1 to one on Busan. So that then put it at 3-2 to two for for uh, Dallas. Map 6, we went to Eichenwald, and this, in my opinion, is where it really truly seemed like the Shanghai Dragons had the Dallas Fuel figured out. Um, the map ended up being going in favor of Shanghai, three to two. So Dallas went into this knowing their win condition, knowing they had to take it all three, um, and then obviously a little bit farther. Uh, however, they weren't able to get that third point. And this is also where we really saw um, Shanghai kind of, in a lot of ways, starting to take advantage of the Dallas fuel and their weaknesses. Um, you know, the the big thing or the big the big player, the big game changer that I think everyone keeps shouting out is fate on the wrecking ball on Dallas or on uh, Shanghai. Sorry. He was truly able to disrupt the Dallas fuel in incredible ways with, with the pile driver. And then with uh lip coming in on the um, what's it called on the echo and just being able to beam down and annihilate uh, the backline of Dallas um, in particular, I would say uh, um, who were we looking at there? Uh, oh, Jexy, Jexa on the uh, on the Lucio. Um, it was really impressive, and honestly, in a lot of ways, it taught me a lot about how to play Wrecking Ball. Um, if you can play Wrecking Ball in a way where you are disrupting the backline, and then if you have a DPS player who's able to take advantage of those picks and really pull them off, then ultimately that's the the key to victory in this case. Map seven went to Junkertown, and again Shanghai took it two to one allowing Shanghai to complete the win with a score of 4-3. to three. 
So really, I think uh, it was a really exciting final. Obviously, it was a rematch of the the May Melee. And obviously, it started off with, I think, most people thinking, wow, Dallas really has this together. And they're going to be able to be back-to-back champions. And this is really going to solidify the rivalry between Shanghai and Dallas. Now, this certainly did solidify the rivalry. Except it went the way of Shanghai, and Shanghai and Dallas are now both tied with uh, one and one uh, tournament wins in uh, the 2021 season. So it'll be extremely exciting to see what happens in the summer showdown if uh, Dallas and Shanghai, with no hero pools obviously, are both able to come out on top and have yet another rematch. So that is kind of the quick look at uh what the june joust looked like it was uh like i say it was a really exciting match in the final there outside of that honestly i wasn't super impressed with a lot of the matches you know i honestly it's no secret that new york was pretty much expected to get boomed it would have been impressive if they got a map off the atlanta rain or whoever they ended up playing in the losers bracket obviously that wound up being shanghai so not much of a chance of that um but uh but ultimately, I don't think anyone really truly thought New York was that strong of a competitor. Um, Atlanta, I think everyone had really high hopes for. And given the uh, the way that the APAC, or sorry, the Eastern region has sort of been lagging, seemingly lagging behind in the meta um, compared to the Western region, I think everyone had really high hopes for Atlanta. Um, obviously, nice for them to get that win in the first round. However, then taking on the Dallas Fuel um, was a really good matchup. And I think most... It, you know, it would have been exciting to see Atlanta go to the loser's bracket, pull out a win there, and then come back to have that rematch against the Dallas Fuel, see if they could really learn from their mistakes. But ultimately, I think Atlanta just has such little experience with this that a big part of their mental probably got boomed after that first win, um, or first loss, sorry, that put them into the loser's bracket. Shanghai, obviously kind of the, uh, you know, Dallas just winners, well, you know, starting in the winner's bracket and then winner's bracket and then final. Um, you know, Dallas in a lot of ways, uh, the expected one to make it to the final. Shanghai, however, quite the roller coaster, which is so funny because going into the May Melee, I mean, Shanghai was not doing extremely well, but then they qualified for the tournament and they managed to make it to the finals. Um, in this case, you know, a match against the Dallas Fuel right away and Dallas comes out 3-0. and Ultimately, it was very much like, holy cow, Dallas Dallas knows how to play these guys and is going to just roll them. Even if they make it through the loser's bracket, Dallas is going to tear them a new one. Um, they then obviously go down to face New York and get the win. And then they take on Atlanta, where I think, again, everyone thought Atlanta would at least be able to take a map off Shanghai, given that they were able to on Dallas. And they just couldn't. They couldn't make anything happen. Um, and uh, that's how, how and why Shanghai got the win. Um, and then what was really truly impressive shanghai is really the sort of uh sort of amazing story this time around because they were able to have such a turnaround you know with uh with their ultimately poor beginning against dallas in the final and then managing to you know whatever they did regroup uh you know pull put their pants back on and really analyze things and figure out what they needed to do in order to come out on top and then execute on that um you know certainly nobody can say it wasn't a close match given how strong dallas opened it and uh and and even how how strongly they played going on from there but ultimately shanghai deserves a lot of praise for coming out on top with this win and with that that is the recap of our june joust tournament so the next games will return not this week not the 18th but on the 25th of june because of that i'm only going to do a really brief look at the power rankings with ibm's watson um but let's take a look over there oh uh, we have to get this thing moving again okay Jumping over to the power rankings with IBM's Watson. We're going to look at the tank roll first. We're just going to go in order this time around. Um, top five. We've got Hanbin with the Dallas Fuel. We've got Fearless with the Dallas Fuel. We've got Void with the Shanghai Dragons. And we've got Fate with the Shanghai Dragons. And finally, in number five, we've got Space with the LA Gladiators. Moving on from there, damage. We've got Sparkle in the number one with the Dallas Fuel. We've got Doha in the number two with the Dallas Fuel. We've got Lip in the number three with the Shanghai Dragons. 
Pelican with the Atlanta Reign in number four, and Decay in number five with the Washington Justice. Over on Sport, we've got Fielder uh, with the Dallas Fuel. We've got Jexa with the Dallas Fuel. We've got Shu with the LA Glads. We've got Iris with the Atlanta Reign, and Iziaki with the Shanghai Dragons in number five. And overall, top five slots all going to the Dallas Fuel with Hunbin, Fearless, Fielder, Sparkle, and Doha. Now, again, this is a, I'm not sure if these have been updated since the last time we took a look. Um, however, again, common threads, you know, Dallas Fuel, Shanghai Dragons, Atlanta Reign, uh, with just a dash of the Washington Justice and a dash of the LA Gladiators. Now, if we take a look at the overall power rankings here, uh, it you know what? It doesn't look like they've been updated, if I'm recalling correctly. Dallas Fuel is still in number one. Shanghai Dragons in number two. Atlanta Reign in number three. Los Angeles Gladiators in number four. And San Francisco Shock in number five. So, you know what? I, I really don't know if the, when when these update. Um, Dallas Fuel being in number one still does make sense, given how dominant they have been. Shanghai had that really poor start to the season, which could be why they find themselves there. Um, Atlanta, obviously in third, moving down just because of their losses in the tournament. Um, you know, LA Gladiators and San Francisco Shock, just, you know, powerful teams, but not quite there yet. Um, so anyways, it'll be really interesting to see where Watson sorts things out if this hasn't been updated yet. Um, if the Shanghai Dragons do get bumped up at all, given their performance and their, uh, their, their turnaround, honestly, in that final. Um, but I digress. As I mentioned, just a quick look at IBM's Watson this, uh, this episode. And now I think we'll take things out and end the show. Excuse me for dropping in. All right. So here we are at the end of another show, uh, early, 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 or late, 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 uh, on a Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on how you want to look at it. But once again, this was episode 45 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast. On this special little podcast, we of course talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. If this was your first episode, I'm of course your host at Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM. Give me a follow on all socials, uh, especially Twitter, where if you DM me or reach out to me in some way, tweet at me, whatever, um, with questions, comments, concerns, topics, all that fun stuff, I will gladly talk about them on the show. Now, you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends. And of course, as I mentioned at the top of the show, if you're interested, head on over to my Twitch, uh, where you can catch me playing through Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart on PlayStation 5, and that is twitch.tv slash SirDRJM. Thanks very much for listening to another episode of One Man Watchpoint, and we will catch you next week uh, where... We will, of course, look at the upcoming games for week 10. Thank you.